In today's show, I'm going to be previewing the Boston Celtics with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. Michael Bolton's here as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Trying something a bit different with the team previews. We didn't actually do them last season, but I'm going to be doing two different team previews per team. So you're going to get a lot of content and that'll make them a little bit shorter. In part one of the team preview, I'm going to bring on a host of the Locked On podcast for that team. We're going to talk just about general news around that team. And then, so I don't bore them with the fantasy stuff, we'll have a separate show where I go through the fantasy value of all the players, tying in the information that they gave us to uh, to make it from a fantasy perspective. So you'll get this show, which will be like 15, 20 minutes, and the next one, which will be like you know, 20, 25 minutes probably on the whole team rather than trying to smush it all together and trying to force fantasy stuff in to stuff that's not fantasy related. And then you put it all together and then you get more shows to listen to as well if we do it that way. So that's how we're going to go. Hopefully it works uh, works okay. I think it will. And uh, let's talk. Boston Celtics, the first team off the uh, first team off the shelf for the 2021-2022 NBA season. So let's let's bring him in now. The host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, John Corrales, is here with me. John, your screen has just oh, there is uh, dealing with technical issues, which I'm trying to iron out with the new studio, new camera. But you're here. Welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's good to good to have you here. And we're going to talk Boston Celtics. If your uh, if your screen would stay on, it'd be awesome. There we go. Um, I don't know what's going on. Anyway. We'll deal with it. But your voice is always here, so that's great to know. So let's let's talk Boston Celtics. Let's talk about this team who had big changes, of course. New head coach, Brad Stevens, moving up to GM, replacing Danny Ainge. Ime Udoka in there, which we know he's been an assistant for many years, but in terms of what he does as a head coach, pace, defensive philosophies, you know, offensive hierarchy, we don't know all of that stuff yet. We don't know there's a history of that stuff from him at this point. We'll be discovering all that together, but let's let's just get straight into it, John, because the, the questions that people who listen to this podcast will want to know about Boston is what we think their starting lineup is going to look like. So let's go through what you think the starting lineup, opening night, no injuries, will look like for the Boston Celtics. So I'm, I'm going to go with Marcus Smart, who just got the big extension. I think that's a commitment to him. Obviously, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Uh, Robert Williams also got a big extension. I think it makes much more sense to start him over Al Horford. You know, Horford might be sitting on some back-to-backs, so I think the consistency and the youth, the energy, the defensive ability with with Robert Williams makes more sense. And that the the question of the fifth the fifth starter is is the big issue. And I'm going to go with Josh Richardson just because I like him playing off of Tatum and Brown and, and getting Marcus Smart to to feed him and, and set him up. I just like that a little bit. He's he's going to be a supporting player, and I think I think all of the attention on everybody else is going to give him more room to do what he does best. And he, and, and I think the defensive backcourt between Smart and Richardson is going to be very very appealing to Ime Odoka, who is a defend, defensive minded coach has has preached that. And uh, I think I think there is some wiggle room there with the fifth starter, but right now I'm thinking it's going to be Richardson. 
Yeah, that's how that's how I view it in terms of the backcourt. I think Smart and Richardson will lock in there, of course, Brown and Tatum. Very interesting. And if you heard any noise, John, it would have been the sound of many fantasy managers tipping over their desk without using their hands by hearing about Robert Williams maybe being a starter because that means big minutes because we know that Robert Williams, who played like 18 minutes a night last year, was like a top 70 fantasy guy. If he pushes anywhere close to 30, which I don't think he will, but just being a starter gives you more runway for more minutes that's going to push a lot of that value up for Rob Williams. Now, I I personally thought that they would go with Horford there. There will be some rest, but um, I thought they'd bring Williams off the bench in a larger role. But the fact that you think that he's going to be starting is really interesting. Now, in terms of you know starting, is that a 24-minute split? Is it Williams? They're just going to push him as much as they can, even though he's had those you know, the toe injury in the playoffs. He's had knee problems in the past. He has dealt with plenty of injuries. Or is he going to be one of those guys that's, again, more useful in a 23-minute role as a starter? Go out there. Don't worry about foul trouble so much. You know, block four shots, six shots, 10 shots, whatever it is, and then Horford can come in and mop up the rest. So they're going to be saying, no, we want you actually to be a 28 to 30-minute a night starting center. Um, you know, curb some of that stuff, but your importance to us is way more than going out there and blocking five shots in 20 minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see this commitment to him with, with the new contract as, hey, we want to see you grow into this starting role. I think they're, they're, it's not exactly like big starter money, but it's, it's enough where they do see him as a big part of the future. Brad Stevens, and, and moving from the coaching ranks to the front office, having coached these guys, I think one thing that this shows is he knows the medicals, he knows what the weaknesses are, and he still made a four-year commitment to Robert Williams. And it's not nothing; it's not max money. But when you when you factor in the the non-guaranteed portion of, of all that, you know, it's it's guaranteed to be about forty-eight million uh, versus the fifty-four that's been reported. But that's still a significant number. That's a number where I think if the guy who knows his injury history is is out there giving him that much money. Knowing what he knows, I I feel like he must he must be comfortable with where Robert Williams is recovery wise, what the long term prognosis is, and I think he feels pretty confident that getting Robert Williams into the game for more more time gets the Celtics into a better position to win. Obviously, the defensive stuff he's going to get a bunch of block shots, but they started to run their offense through him a lot. So on top of him catching lobs and finishing putbacks and stuff like that, he's also going to rack up some assists because they do want to get the ball in his hand. There is now the ability to have Tatum and Brown cut back door and feel confident that they're going to get the pass in the right spot. So I, I really like what Robert Williams can do. And if we're looking at statistically, you're going to see, I think, a bump in some statistics that maybe you didn't even count on before. Yeah, the passing is really interesting with him because, not to make this the Robert Williams hour, but he's one of the more intriguing players for fantasy for this entire year, not just on the Celtics. But the passing is really interesting for him because he did start you know, really upping those numbers at the end of last year. He's not going to be a significantly high usage guy, but if he can add three assists, three and a half assists, along with you know two and a half blocks and 70% from the field and eight, 10 rebounds and 12 points, like that is top 30 fantasy numbers. Now, when, and I'm going to talk about more of this in the second part of this show when I do talk fantasy stuff, but it is really interesting. If they are going for him from instead of a 20-minute, 22-minute a night roll to 26-27, the, the sky is pretty much the limit there with him. So that's really, really intriguing. Again, I agree with the rest of your starting lineup, and now you're convincing me that they're going to go with Williams. Regardless, Williams was going to see more minutes this year compared to last season. 
irrespective of if he started. I don't think there was any doubt of that. Now, I've had people uh, also talk to me, John, that they're worried about um, Ennis Cantor perhaps taking minutes away from Bob Williams. We're going to talk about that in a sec because if that, if that makes you worry and if that makes you sweat, I've got just the product for you, John, and it is. Sweat block. It is doctor created and doctor recommended. If people suffer from hyperhidrosis and you have to get out and you have to deal with public presentations and you've got a swimming pool under your arm, sweat block is the product for you. It is a wipe that when you get home at night, wipe it under your pits, go to bed, have a snooze, dream of Robert Williams, whatever it is you want to do, wake up the next morning, have a shower, and you're good to go for up to seven days. Hey, maybe you have to put it on twice a week, but this is stronger than most clinical antiperspirants out there. Sweatblock has been around for years and you can get it at a 20% discount at sweatblock.com if you use our promo code Locked On, You can also buy it from Amazon. You can buy it from CVS. It's been around forever, but now you can also get it 20% off if you buy it from sweatblock.com using the promo code Locked On. Sweatblock is the product that you need to help get that excessive sweating under control. Now, John, let us talk about this bench unit because you've got your bench rotation here. Most teams run a 10-man rotation. Sometimes they run a nine-man rotation. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on, but I did reference Ennis Cancer there. Let's put that thought out to everyone. There are people who worry, oh, they're going to, yeah, Cancer, he's, he's so good. They're going to play him so much. I am with you in thinking that he is not an every night part of the rotation. It is Williams. It is Horford as the backup. But there are a lot of people thinking that Al Horford is going to be the starting power forward in this team. We have seen Al Horford start at power forward before. It was bad. He is a center. He was a center in Boston. He was a power forward in Philly, and he was bad. He was a center in Philly. It was good. He was a center in Oklahoma City. It was good. I don't think, even though Brad Stevens ran so many of those disgusting two-center lineups last year, we are going to see tons of that this year. So I don't think, yeah, assuage anyone's concerns that Ennis Cantor's coming in and playing 20 minutes and putting Williams as the third-string center or a 17-minute-a-night guy. I'll put it this way. I just did a full breakdown of where I think the minutes were going to go, and I forgot that Ennis Cantor was even part of it. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't see him as a big part of this. He's a he's an emergency guy. He's the uh, Al Horford needs a night off on the second night of a back to back guy. Uh, go in and defend Joel Embiid type of guy when the Celtics need more muscle, and that might mean certain matchups where Robert Williams is minimized. And that's that's certainly we go back to the Robert Williams discussion. There are certainly going to be nights where against stronger centers that he might not play quite as much, and it's going to have to be more in his canter. That's the only time that I expect Cantor to take minutes away from Robert Williams. And every other time, how many big, strong centers are in the league that you're going to have to con- be concerned with that? There, there aren't a whole lot. And so I, I still think that Cantor is a specialist, situational type of guy. He's not going to be used as much as he was before, even in, in Boston. Not going to be used as much as he was in Portland, I don't think. He's just there just in case. He's a third center. I I would even think that uh, Grant Williams has a chance to get more minutes than Ennis Cantor when the Celtics go small. And Grant has proven to be at least a, a passable small ball center. So I don't think that there are a lot of minutes for Ennis Cantor. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In terms of the rest of your bench rotation, you have a new acquisition, Dennis Schroeder, who I do have to work on that pronunciation because you know, someone called me out for getting it wrong. So Dennis Schroeder is uh, the, the, not the alleged pronunciation because I heard Dennis say it himself. So that's that's that one. Him coming off the bench, he'll probably get his 27 minutes a night but won't have the same level of usage he had back in Oklahoma City or even what he had for the Lakers would be my guess, but he has a pretty large role. And the reason that I'm a bit skeptical of what Schroeder does this season is because you know, they have a bunch of these young guards, Peyton Pritchard, who had a sizable role last year. Aaron Neesmith, I think, is going to have to step up, and you've got him in that bench mix as well. Now, you've only gone nine-man 
nine-man rotation here uh, for for the uh, the total yeah, bench, and then that'll change uh, on on nights depending on what happens with fouls. But in general, you don't see guys like Grant Williams or Jabari Parker pushing in and being that that tenth man on a you know, every night basis. No, I don't think they're going to go ten deep. I mean, they they might. There, there there is some depth now on this team, but when you when you factor in Tatum and Brown are going to get about thirty five minutes a game. That that's about right for guys who are in that all NBA mix, all star mix. Uh, Marcus Smart, by virtue of being a starter, will probably get into the low thirties, and I think even Schroeder. There's going to be some overlap there. There's going to be some experimentation there with with Schroeder on you know, backing up Marcus Smart. And I think it makes sense to back up Marcus Marcus Smart with Schroeder because it gives Schroeder time to thrive as the primary option on the floor. That's that's yeah. the biggest thing for him. Which he needs. Is rebuilding his value out on the open market. You give him the the keys to the second unit and say, hey, when, when Tatum and Brown are off the floor, we're going to put you out there with whomever, and you're going to be the primary guy. And, and that'll give him a chance to showcase himself some but they might also use him and Marcus Smart together for a certain amount of time. Uh, I would expect to see some overlap because you can't play one guy 30 and one guy 18 minutes. It's, it's going to be tough to balance that. So I think they're going to have to learn how to play together a little bit. But um, I, I think the, the minutes for Peyton Pritchard are going to be kind of tough. Uh, he's going to have to find some, some time there. Uh, they're they're going to have to go small. Sometimes they're going to have to figure out some unique lineups because if Neesmith is going to try to break into this lineup, if Pritchard's going to break into this lineup, uh, think about all the guys that deserve 30-plus minutes, and they're, the minutes start to dwindle for the rest of the team, uh, especially if Josh Richardson proves to be any good, gets back to any level that he used to be in Miami. If he can, If he can give the Celtics, I think they'd prefer to have him as a proven entity, play 28, 30 minutes if he can. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the bench minutes might might come in if, if his role has to be reduced and those guys can step up. But I think Pritchard and Neesmith are going to be really fighting for minutes and, and may not get more than 20 per game. Oh, I, I would say that you know, for them to regularly get over 20 per game, it means there's been some catastrophic injuries ahead of them or Josh Richardson's just trash now, which he was in the playoffs and he was out of the rotation, but I don't think that's a fair uh, estimation of where his value lies. Now, in terms of injuries, um, Jalen Brown had to end last season with a wrist injury, had wrist surgery. What's the update on him, John? Are we uh, ready to go for Jalen? It's fine. He's, he's, awesome. he's back. Um, he was shooting around in Las Vegas without... Any sort of, I mean, it was his left wrist, so it wasn't his shooting wrist, but no brace on there, no wrap, no nothing, no tape, nothing. So uh, Brad Stevens had said that he expects Jalen Brown to be ready before training camp starts. So I think the optimistic timeline is the one that's come through for him. And Robert Williams had a turf toe injury in the playoffs. Um, no, no lingering concerns there, apart from yeah, the fact that he's had multiple injuries throughout his career, but that toe injury is ready to go. Toe injury is fine. Um, yeah, the, the concern is, has been his hip, which yep. cost him a big chunk of the season a couple of years ago and actually flared up a little bit last season. As of right now, we'll see. Um, they, they did talk, Brad Stevens did talk last year about going to manage his minutes appropriately to make sure that he's ready to go and be full 100% for the playoffs and they can ramp up his minutes. So we'll have to double check on that going into the season, but 
again, Brad Stevens said of, of Robert Williams that he expects him to be fully healthy starting the uh, training camp. Yeah, um, that's great news. Great news to, to head into a season with no uh, with no injury concerns. Let's hope that that sticks. Of course, it won't because people will get injured uh, many times throughout the season. But let's uh, let's talk about some uh, John. The yeah. best the best tasting protein bar. What is it? Oh, I would have to say that's a built bar. It is definitely a built bar. Now you have got plenty of experience of eating a built bar on live TV, as we saw on the Locked On NBA Draft <laughs> Show. You're the king of opening a built bar. But yeah, what's your favorite flavor? Like that's, everyone wants to know that. I am partial to the salted caramel. Really, really. No, I'm, I'm yeah, more, more man. cookies and cream, coconut. They're my I'm, two. Raspberry is a good one too. But these these yeah, aren't just delicious candy, you know, not candy bars, protein bars. They taste like candy bars. That's how the confusion comes in. They're also healthy. But if you don't know your favorite flavor, like John likes his carrot salted caramel. I'm a cookies and cream guy. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, there's a mixed box you can get. All nine of the flavors, two of each, 18 bars in the box, and you get to taste the deliciousness. Now, John, of course, is my Built Bar hookup in the States. He sends me boxes of Built Bar, and you know, I get to devour those every day, and they're fantastic. And they're also good for me because they are 130 to 180 calories per bar, you got four to five grams of sugar. We've got 13 to 18 grams of protein and only four to five grams of net carbs. So delicious and healthy as well. And if you go to built.com, you can use our promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And you get 15% off your order at built.com. So use that promo code LOCKED15, built.com, and get yourself a box of the best tasting protein bars you will ever find. It's also that time of year where eyes, ears, noses, whatever, they're focused towards the gridiron as pro football and college football are back. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. And make sure you're taking advantage of their opening day special. It's a promo. You make a bet on the season opener Thursday, September the 9th between the Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose... Your bet gets refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from basketball, football, boxing, and right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. John, now let's talk about a few other questions here before I let you go. Peyton Pritchard was... Was he one of the best players in Summer League? Was He might have even won the MVP in Summer yeah. League. He shot like 58% from three, had like an eight-to-one turnover ratio. There are plenty of people who are big Peyton Pritchard fans who, who get in my comments and tell me he's going to have this huge role. But as you detailed already, like it's going to be hard to find him as, at best at this point, the fourth guard on this team behind Schroeder, Smart, and Richardson. Like it, That was great to have that sort of summer league performance. 57% shooting from three is literally impossible for anyone to be able to do long-term. So while we can look at that and say it's important, how actually important is that for what his role is going to be this year? And does it change anything at all about what his contributions could be? Well, I, I think it's important to show... like the, the important translatable thing was him, him shooting from deep, like really deep, like 30-plus feet deep. Those, those types of shots are the ones that he's going to actually need to hit if he's going to be getting on the floor and doing anything, uh, it, it's his shooting ability more than anything that will get him out there and earn him minutes. Because the one thing the Celtics do lack is shooting. Uh, outside of Tatum and Brown, it's it's tough to find shooting on that roster. So you got Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard as as guys that you can really count on to hit shots, and and that's why I've advocated for. Aaron Neesmith 
to to get a, a chance at that starting nod. Uh, other people in the market have advocated for Peyton Pritchard for that exact same reason. You need floor spacers out there. So while I do see Smart getting a bunch of the minutes and Schroeder obviously getting a bunch of the minutes and Richardson getting a chance to prove if he can find his jump shot again at some point and shoot something respectable, then then he can get his share of the minutes. That that does put a crunch on Peyton and, and Neesmith, and, and Peyton's going to have to come out there and show that, hey, my ability to shoot, my ability to hit from 30 feet and do it consistently and spread the floor and now give other players on the floor a chance to kind of to, to spread the floor for them and give them a chance to drive, that'll give them a, a potential opportunity maybe alongside Schroeder. Uh, if you if you have a second unit that includes Schroeder, that includes Al Horford, who can be a stretch big, and you can throw Peyton Pritchard out there to spread the floor a little bit as a small shooting guard, then then great. But that's the problem, though. With Pritchard, it's his height and how much he gets targeted defensively. So maybe Ime Odoka finds a way to reduce other minutes. Maybe the Celtics find a way to keep Tatum and Brown down to 33 minutes instead of 35, and you've got four extra minutes there to play with somewhere else, and you can kind of shave a minute here or there off of everybody's minutes and find a role for another guy or, or an increased role for another guy. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, and, and he's going to have to come out there and show some of that summer league shooting in preseason, in early opportunities, so he can demand some minutes. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be interesting to see how that all works. But at this point, he's got that front runner to be that fourth guard. And we'll see where it goes from there. Now, Jason Tatum, a guy that is going to be a first-round fantasy selection this year. We've seen him take steps forward each season. So what's the thing that he needs to or, or will likely improve on this year? Is it facilitating? Is it improving as a passer? Is it efficiency stuff? Like, what are we looking at Tatum to improve upon this season? I mean, the first thing I would love to see him do is, is just tighten up his handle a little bit. And, and be able to get to the rim more consistently without losing the ball. I think if there's a, a weakness in his game, that's one. And getting him to the rim without without losing the ball now obviously increases his, his layup attempts, increases his uh, opportunities to get to the line. And when you're looking at improving that scoring to go from borderline all-NBA guy to first-team all-NBA candidate, it's first and foremost bumping that scoring average up to somewhere around 28, 29, 30, where the elite players live and, and doing it a little bit efficiently, adding some of those trips to the line. It's been a weakness for him getting to the line. But then on top of that, yes, using that pressure to facilitate and, and pump up his assist because, yeah, the, the Celtics, while they have Marcus Smart and he's a tremendous passer, the Celtics are going to need – Tatum to to pick up some of that and when he draws a lot of attention he's going to trust his teammates and 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 push that out as well so ball handling passing and efficiency I'd love to see him cut out some of those fadeaway mid-range jumpers it's three pointers I don't mind him stepping into a 15 footer but he tends to really like backing a guy down and turning and spinning and fading from 15 that shot is is something he shoots about 35, 36% on. That is so inefficient. That needs to go. Get that out of your game. If you can't drive all the way to the rim, push it, force, force the defense to do something, and then kick. Let it work back around. But if he can improve the efficiency, get, get to the rim a little bit more, 
and take advantage of some of that defense and, and kick it out and, and maybe pump up a couple of assists, then I think he's at an elite level at the NBA. Yeah, look, I, I agree. Like cutting out those inefficient mid ranges, if you turn that into either free throw attempts or you're turning it into assists or you're taking threes instead, like that really bumps up so much of what he can do and improves the ceiling of this team as well. Last question for you, John. We've touched on it a little bit already. Who the hell are the power forwards on this team? Because Jason Tate is, <laughs> is probably going to start at power forward. Your other option to start there would be a center in Al Horford. And then, as you detailed in your bench lineup, you don't have a power forward in that mix there at all because the other two are Jabari Parker and Grant Williams. So they have really. I guess Tatum is a four. That's his best position, in my opinion. But obviously, a lot of people will think of him as a three. So they are at, in real trouble in terms of just not having any fours on this roster. Is Do, or do, do you think that that is any sort of concern? Because yeah, no one wants to rely upon Jabari Parker. I don't think you want to rely upon Grant Williams holding that as a large, large role. As much as I, I like Grant, there's a lot of offensive concerns there. Like There are no fours on this roster, though. I think what we're looking at is defensively, you're looking at if, if they start Richardson, you're going Smart and Richardson in the backcourt and Robert Williams as the center, and the next two spots are going to fall on Tatum and Brown to, to defend. And so Tatum has more length. So if that's necessary, he'll guard the taller four. If you need more strength, that's Jalen Brown, who can guard the stronger four. And, and that's something that they're going to just have to work out on a game-to-game basis. There are no real traditional fours. I don't even know if Jabari Parker is going to be on the roster when the season begins. So I don't even count him. I don't even consider him as part of the equation because there is just no room for him on this roster. Uh, he can't even defend a four. He can't defend anybody. So it largely falls on either – they are going to go small and just deal with it, or it's going to be Tatum and Brown figuring out how to match up. And, and some days one will cover the four and some days the other one will, and they're just going to have to roll with it and, and see if maybe something comes up by the trade deadline, if they're really making a move. But this season is, is kind of a bridge season. It's kind of a temporary team. So I, I think they're just going to be, they're going to say, this is what we got. And Ime Odoka, you figure it out. Play some zone. Yeah, and look, we've seen Marcus Smart guard fours as well in the past, not the one sure. doing it full-time. And and at the time of us recording this, there is a pretty good power forward slash center still available on the free agency market in Paul Millsap. Not saying that he's necessarily going to Boston, but wouldn't be a bad fit if they could get him to to take something that's uh, the minimum. I think he's expecting like a, a 6 or $7 million a year deal, which the Celtics aren't going to give out. But he's a name that's out there, so just keep uh, keep an eye on that. John, I've kept you long enough here. Thank you for coming on and answering my questions about the Boston Celtics for this coming season. Everyone can hear your thoughts daily on the Celtics, on Locked on Celtics. Uh, not Celtics, Locked on Celtics. Thank you for coming on Locked on Fantasy Basketball. My pleasure, my man. Anytime. And that'll do it for today's show. I hope you like that format of this season preview. I'll be back later today with a fantasy-focused preview of the Boston Celtics. Just me talking Celtics, so there's going to be more of this stuff to come. Follow this podcast and you'll never miss one. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app here on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Check out the playlist I'm going to have for this season preview series as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.